Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you're tuning in for our annual summer series at the movies, where we explore the spiritual truth behind some of Hollywood's biggest hits. From Hamilton to Just Mercy to Ford versus Ferrari, this series has a screening movie clips while we laugh and learn together. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. What's up, everybody? Hey, welcome to Liquid Church Online. I'm Pastor Tim. So glad you're here for week two of our series at the movies. We are looking at the spiritual truths behind some of Hollywood's biggest hits. And today I am pumped. We are looking at the action movie Ford versus Ferrari. It is a movie all about high speed endurance racing. And it's based on a true story about the visionary car designer, Carol Shelby, played by Matt Damon and driver Ken Miles, played by Christian Bale, who come together to build this revolutionary race car for the Ford Motor Company in 1966. Now, they had a simple goal. It was to beat Italian icon Enzo Ferrari at the most famous endurance race in the world, the 24 Hours of Le Mans in France. Now, don't worry if you haven't seen the movie or you're not a gearhead who's into racing cars, no worries. This movie is a high octane bromance and it's got some powerful lessons about running a race of faith with endurance, with the strength and stamina that's vital to a successful Christian life. So before we open our Bibles and we connect scripture with the big screen, let's sit back, let's buckle up and watch the trailer for Ford versus Ferrari. Look out there, out there. It's the perfect lap. You see it? I think so. Most people can't. Carol Shelby, maybe? Lee I Coke, Ford Motor. Suppose Henry Ford II wanted to build the greatest race car the world's ever seen to win the 24 hours of Le Mans. What's it take? Well, it takes something money can't buy. Money can buy speed. What well, about speed? We need a pure racer behind the wheel of your car. That's Ken Miles. I don't trust him an inch. We heard he's difficult. No, no, Ken's a puppy dog. No, whatever it is, Shell, no. Trust me. You're gonna build a car to beat Ferrari with a Ford. Correct. And how long did you tell them that you needed? Two, three hundred years? Ninety days. <laughs> this isn't the first time Ford Motors has gone to war. We know how to do more than push paper. Go ahead, Carol. Go to war. Thank you, sir. Do you think you can beat Ferrari? We're lighter, we're faster. That don't work, we're nastier. We're gonna make history. You ready? I was born ready, Mr. Shelby. Hit it. (laughs) 
man, does that get your juices flowing or what? After I first saw the movie in the theater, remember that? We used to go to the movies. I got into my truck and I like, peeled out in the parking lot, man. I was like laying down rubber in my Jeep. I'll be honest, I didn't know a lot about sports car racing before I saw the movie, but it was fascinating to learn the history of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. It's the oldest sports car endurance race in the world. Uh, since 1923, it's been held annually near the town of Le Mans, France, and it's called the Grand Prix of Endurance. Very different than Daytona or the Indianapolis 500. Those are races that are pretty much all about speed, right? The fastest time. But Le Mans is won by the car that covers the greatest distance in 24 hours. Drivers actually come from all over the world. They race through the night with little to no sleep through rain and wind, seeing how many laps can they cover. And it's very dangerous because drivers have to balance the demands of speed with the car's ability to endure for 24 hours without you know, blowing a gasket, breaking down or blowing up. And basically the race is all about endurance. And guys, did you know this? The Bible actually talks about a similar kind of race in Hebrews chapter 12. It's an endurance race that you and me, every follower of Jesus Christ, are commanded to run as we follow the Lord of our lives. So let's open our Bibles. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 12, three verses together. Now to set this scene before we read this, I want you to imagine you are at a giant motor raceway or you're at a NASCAR event. You've got a Coke and a hot dog. It's a hot summer day and the grandstands are kind of packed with fans and all these race cars pull up to the line. Everyone's revving their engines, the flag waves, and the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And here it is. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Verse two, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Verse three, think of all the hostility Jesus endured from sinful people, and then you won't become weary and give up. Now, in this passage, the writer of Hebrews He's imagining a, a long distance race and probably didn't have modern race cars in mind. I mean, in the first century, most likely he was thinking of Olympic runners competing in an ultra marathon, but he uses this metaphor of this long distance endurance race as a symbol for the Christian life. And you know, it's a fitting analogy, right? I mean, the Christian life, <laughs> it's all about overcoming obstacles, going through hardship, struggle, difficulty to take hold of this victory that God promises at the end. So life on earth is hard, no doubt. But the Bible says, you know what? There's victory waiting when we actually cross the finish line in heaven and fall into Jesus's arms. But between now and then, it's a battle. It's a card fought contest. Hebrews says it's like running this long distance race. In fact, check this out. This is kind of cool. The Greek word for race here in Hebrews, it's translated from the Greek word agona. Can you say that? Agona. Does that sound like an English word you might know? <laughs> yeah, the word agony. <laughs> Anybody who races long distances, whether it's a marathon or an ultra marathon, an Ironman, you know that's a good description, right? An ultra marathon is agony. It's agony from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Every fiber of your body just kind of throbs with pain 
when you run mile after mile for endurance. Your legs turn to rubber. Your lungs feel like they're gonna burst out of your chest. It's agony, agony, or so I've been told by people who run. <laughs> What's the point? This agony or race is a picture of your Christian life. It's not easy to live wholeheartedly for Christ in our world. Guys, it takes strength and it takes stamina. And the Bible says, picture yourself going around a racetrack. You're committed to live this life of bold faith and you're running this race that's been set before you by God himself. And as a follower of Jesus, it is your duty, it is your responsibility to run this race. As they say at the start of the 24 hours of Le Mans in France, messieurs, demorez vous motiers. Gentlemen, start your engines. Well, the movie begins when Lee Iacocca, he's an executive from Ford, he actually comes to see Carroll Shelby. That's the race car legend and only American ever to win Le Mans. See, the Ford Motor Company had flagging sales. <laughs> they wanted to appeal in the 1960s to the next generation of baby boomers. So Ford actually tried to acquire Ferrari, buy them, but the business deal fell through. And so they decided to enter competitive racing with one goal. We want to bury Ferrari at the finish line. So in 1963, Lee Iacocca drove to see Carroll Shelby to find out what it would take to win the race. Warren, I help you? Carroll Shelby. Maybe? Lee Iacocca, Ford Motor. What's with the wrench? That? Oh, long story. We are just going from strength to strength here, Lee. Terrific sales. We're killing it on the track. Now, I know I owe Ford for that last batch in. Mr. Shelby, I can assure you I'm not here for money that you might owe Ford for spare parts. You're not? No, I'm not. Okay. I'm here on behalf of Mr. Ford, Henry Ford II. Suppose, um, hypothetically, that he wanted his company to win the 24 Hours of Le Mans. You're one of the only Americans that's ever done it, so I'm, uh, I'm wondering, what's it take? Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Well, it takes something money can't buy. Money can buy speed. That isn't about speed, Lee. It's not just like those other tracks where all you do is turn to the left for four hours. To win that race, you need a car that's light enough to do 200 on the straightaways, but strong enough to keep that up for 3,000 miles without a break. Not just the best car y'all have ever made, but better than anything that Enzo Ferrari shows up with that year. And that just gets you to the green flag. That's where your problems really start. So you're saying it's challenging. Look, it's not even a track, Lee. Le Mans eight and a half miles of country road. It's narrow, ungraded, it's rough. There's no camber on the turns, no rails. You gotta do that for 24 hours. 24 hours, Lee. That means night. Half that race is in the dark, you can't see. Cars coming up on you out of nowhere. Drivers stumbling around the track, pouring blood. Maybe one of them's your friend. Maybe, maybe he's on fire. You're exhausted, you're hungry, can't remember your name, what country you're in. And all of a sudden you realize you're doing 198 on a straight. 
And if anything goes wrong, you blow a gasket, five cent washer. That's it, whole thing's over. Ferrari wins again. It's like he won last year, year before that, year before that. Yeah, it's challenging. And so Ford enlisted the help of Carroll Shelby to do the impossible, to build a car that could beat Ferrari and do it in 90 days, which was unthinkable. I mean, to win an endurance race like Le Mans would take decades of practice and planning. But make no mistake, guys, that is exactly the kind of spiritual challenge that the writer of Hebrews is calling you and me to. Hebrews says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before you. Think about that. As a follower of Christ, you've been given a God-designed spiritual race to run on this earth. And as Christians, we're called to live this vibrant life of bold faith with endurance for Christ, even in the middle of hardship, even in the middle of COVID and impossible obstacles. And that all sounds good to us, but people always come up to me and they say, Tim, how do you do that, practically speaking? Like, where do you even begin? Well, guys, this passage in Hebrews gives us a roadmap. It outlines four things that you and I can do to successfully win an endurance race. And if you're taking notes, I've made this super easy to remember. Four steps to win the R-A-C-E, the race of faith. And the first step, the R stands for this. You must determine you're gonna run with endurance. That's what the author of Hebrews 12 is driving at. He says, here's the main goal of the Christian life. Let us run with endurance, stamina, strength, perseverance, the race that God has set before us. Now, take a look at that word endurance because it's defined as the ability or strength to continue to last, listen to this, especially through fatigue, you feel tired, stress, are you emotionally exhausted, pain, or other adverse conditions. Can I ask, how's your spiritual endurance? I want you to think about your journey of faith. We've been through a lot this year. I wonder, what race has God set before you? I mean, 2020 is a year that requires endurance. I want you to think of all the obstacles we've encountered, right? They're like Russian nesting dolls, one inside the other. A global pandemic, but wait, there's more. Record unemployment, but wait, there's more. You're going to get to homeschool your kids. Wait, there's more. There's racial unrest, economic hardship. Oh, but wait, there's more. Hurricane, a power outage. What's next? An election. Well, that should calm things down. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We face so many challenges to living a life of faith and peace and being fruitful for Christ. And it's just like an endurance race. There's this like starting line, right, where you're saved by Jesus. And then there's this finish line years from now when you arrive in heaven to fall in his arms. But guys, in between, it's like bang. The gun goes off, the engine starts, the racers take off, and lap after lap, we strive towards our goal of Christ-likeness. But this is very important to say. I don't want to freak you out here. Let me just help take some pressure off. You may be surprised to hear a pastor say this. The goal of the Christian life is never perfection. Did you know that? The Bible says we'll only achieve perfection in heaven after we're glorified. But that's not the goal of your Christian life right now on earth. What's your goal right now? The goal is not perfection. It is progression. The question is, are you making progress as a Christ follower, as a spiritual athlete, as you run this endurance race that God has called you into? Are you making spiritual progress in your faith? Like, let's make it real personal. Are you further along today than you were last week? 
How about last month? How about a year ago? How about three years ago? Are you making consistent progress? Because that's what the author of Hebrews 12 is driving at. He's saying, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. But what does endurance require? Again, be real practical, Tim. Hebrews actually gives us this outline. It says, if you're going to run with endurance, the second thing you need to do is A, that is assemble your crew. You got a crew? The cool thing about high-speed endurance racing is that it's actually a team sport. It's more than just the driver who's out front. Those who taste victory at a major race like Le Mans, they got a whole crew around them. There's the engineers who design the car, the mechanics who maintain it. You got the pit crew who fuels the engine, changes the tires. In the movie, Carroll Shelby hand-selected a driver named Ken Miles to race his prototype Ford GT40. And the executives at Ford actually were not crazy about Ken Miles. In fact, they hated him. Here's why. Miles was actually a prickly personality. He didn't like the corporate suits coming around messing in his garage, but he trusted Carroll Shelby. And they had a whole crew come together in pursuit of a first place finish at Le Mans. Check this out. Fresh off the plane from England. Now, she's still a little on the rare side of cooks. It's worse than awful. Yeah, it doesn't track. You know, the third gear is too high. Uh, torque is not reaching the road. Steering's loose because the front end gets light. And over 140, thinks it's a... Uh, Airplane. Uh, yeah. And wants to lift off and fly to Hawaii. Anything else? Like I said, racing is a team sport. You know what? So is the Christian life. We all need spiritual friends, mentors, teammates, who we can trust to cheer us on as you and I run the race of faith. Guys, that's why you need to assemble your crew according to Hebrews 12. Look at what verse one says. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by what? Such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now, who is this cloud of witnesses the Bible talks about? Again, the images of men and women who have gone before us. They're up in the, the grandstands of glory. They're like cheering. They're waving you on as you race around the track. Imagine them, noses pressed to the window panes of heaven. They cheer us on as you run your race for Christ. 
Now, a lot of people I talk to think, well, that is so sweet. My grandma, she was a great Christian. She's in heaven just cheering Johnny on from the grandstands. Watch me, grandpa. That's actually not what Hebrews is talking about. The truth is in Hebrews 12 here, the Bible isn't talking about those saints that you and I know necessarily who've gone on to receive the reward in heaven. They may be looking down. The Bible's silent about that. Rather, Hebrews 12 is talking about the heroes of faith in the Old Testament. Notice that word, therefore. It refers to Hebrews chapter 11. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we can't see. It says, through their faith, the people in what? Days of old earned a good reputation or a good testimony, a witness. And then Hebrews has this winner's list of all the MVPs, these Old Testament saints who've gone before us and they live by faith in an invisible God. Noah, who built the ark. Abraham, who left home, not knowing where he was going. Isaac, Jacob, David. Hebrews 11 says all these people were living by faith when they died. And Hebrews pictures them as this great cloud or this crowd of witnesses in the grandstands of heaven cheering you and I on, saying, hey, if we can do it, you can do it too. So let me ask you this question. Who's part of your pit crew? Because endurance racing isn't a solo sport. It really does take a team to win, to endure the rigors of the race. Because when it gets hard, man, you get tempted to drop out. In fact, Shelby and Miles, they had this huge support staff, mechanics, engineers, timekeepers, all pitching in to being the best out of their performance. Now, I want you to think of the people in your life who've cheered you on in your spiritual journey. You know, those who are in your pit crew, you stand on their shoulders. They're, they've influenced your life. Maybe they saw something in you or they, they called out your potential. They said, I see something in you. Or they just said, I'm going to pray for you every day. And they cheer you on and encourage you not to quit. I'll get personal. One of the key members of my pit crew is my good friend, Warren Bird. Now, Warren is a little bit older than me, a decade or so. He is a gifted writer and researcher. He's actually the author of over 30 books on leadership and ministries, this global thought leader. And I was surprised that he took an interest in me. And he said, Tim, I just want to tell you, you're a good writer. I believe you've got a book in you. And I said, a book? He says, your sermons, you, you write amazing. I said, yeah, that's 20 or 30 pages. 200, 300 pages, a full book. I wouldn't even know where to start, Warren. That is too intimidating. And you know what Warren said to me? He said, I would love to teach you. Let, let me coach you and let me cheerlead for you in the process of writing a full-length book. He says, I'll do that as long as you promise that you'll teach somebody else. And what Warren did over the course of 18 months was more than mentor me. He was my biggest spiritual cheerleader. He, he prayed for me. He'd call and check in with me. How's your oil level? Any, any red lights going off on your dashboard? He'd read things and give me feedback. You might want to change this. His wife, Michelle, actually supported my wife, Colleen. We went out for dinner together and actually became close friends. And they became spiritual role models for us. Their, their kids are a little bit older. And so we would bring them our questions, say, what did you guys do? And we'd write down notes. But the most powerful thing Warren ever said to me is he said, Tim, I pray for you every morning, not just for your writing. I pray for your kids, your marriage, your ministry. And Warren Bird is one of those humble servants who likes to serve behind the scenes rather than from the front stage. He is a gift, not just to the larger church, but he's a personal gift to me. He spurs me on as part of my spiritual pit crew. Guys, you need spiritual friends and teammates who are committed to you to help you run your race with integrity, who can help you endure, who can call out potential, who can spur you on when you get tired or tempted to drop out. So here's a great question for you, maybe just to reflect on. Could you name somebody right now in your pit crew?
Maybe it's somebody in your small group who brings encouragement or accountability to your life. Remember guys, to run with endurance, according to Hebrews, you have to assemble your crew. And then the third thing Hebrews says is you've got to cut out the extra weight. It's not talking about weight loss. It's talking about the things that hold us back. Look at this. In verse one, the author of Hebrews says, if you're going to win an endurance race, here's what you got to do. Let us strip off every what church, every weight that slows us down. It's interesting, in Ford versus Ferrari, there's this scene where they realize all this fancy technical equipment that the Ford engineers installed in the prototype car was making it too heavy. It was weighing it down. So they needed a faster way to fly. Check this out. Yeah, so, uh, Shell. Grabbing air. That's the problem. Over 90. Air's getting in, not getting out. It's the nose. I can feel it in the wheel. Mr. Miles, if there's a problem, the computer will find it. Oh, Charlie, get some scotch tape and a ball of wool. All right. Good, good, good. So now let's just, uh, get all of this junk out. Right, Pops? Uh, yeah, yeah. Concur. Come on, guy. What are they doing? Making your car faster. There, right there. Airflow's getting stuck. I see it! Yarn blow straight up! Yep. Front lifting! This car wants to go faster. I feel it. Any lighter, we're getting fragile. Took 70 pounds out of her in the last week. She's outputting max horsepower from this displacement. So put in a bigger engine. Where are we going to put it? On the roof? You know, one of the keys of high-speed endurance racing, it's all about making the car as light as possible. Anything that weighs you down or holds you back, it's got to go. Guys, same thing in the Christian life. Anything that slows down or impedes your spiritual progress or your devotion to Christ, your affection for him, you know what Hebrews says? Strip it off. You can't run a race if you're carrying extra spiritual baggage around, like hurts and habits and hang-ups. The Bible says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. And the image is literally ripping it out of your life and throwing it away. It's cutting out the extra weight so that you can run a good race. Now, here's the reality. Most of us know this, but the reality is there are some of you watching today who are still carrying around these bulging backpacks of bitterness, or maybe you've got a, a big bag of anger sitting next to you on the couch today, <laughs> or maybe for some years you've been carrying this big old trunk of unforgiveness, and you've been running around with it as you run your race, and you wonder, how come I'm not making any progress? <laughs> You know what Hebrews says? Friend, it's got to go. Cut out any extra weight that keeps you from following Jesus fully. You know, I remember once I was working out with a friend and we're like doing pull-ups 
And he said, Tim, put this on. And he gave me this bulky black vest. And so I put the vest on. And I'm like, I feel like Hawkeye, man. This is, I'm going to crank this out. And I start, and the pull-ups were like 20 times harder. I was like, what's in this, bricks? And he goes, actually, lead weights. It was a weighted vest that endurance athletes use to improve their performance. And I was like, well, bro, I'm a better uh, elite athlete without the extra weight. <laughs> Plus, I already got some. So uh, can you imagine running a marathon wearing a weighted vest loaded down with lead? Reality is, guys, that's what a lot of you do. When you harbor unforgiveness or anger or bitterness in your heart, it has a spiritual impact. It weighs us down. You don't make progress in the race that God's called you to run. Or worse, we get discouraged and drop out because it's like nothing's changing in my life. So the author of Hebrews tells us, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. And watch, it's very specific. Especially the what? Sin that so easily trips us up. Notice he uses the singular sin rather than plural sins. In other words, some scholars say it may be a reference to the pet sin that every single one of us has, right? We all have a pet sin that we kind of continually struggle with and we kind of want to get rid of it, but not really. We're so familiar and it just habitually trips us up. I don't know what that pet sin might be for you. Maybe it's internet porn. Maybe you've tried to kick the habit and you're like, man, I know this isn't right before God. It's poisoning my mind but it's got its hooks in you. It's always tripping you up. Or maybe it's, it's you know, gossiping or lying or half-truths about other people. Or maybe it's gambling or some other addictive habit. That's the idea. It's a little bit more of an addiction. It's got its, it's, got its uh, tentacles around you. What's the pet sin that's weighing you down or holding you back from living with integrity for Christ? Maybe it's posting snarky comments or zingers on Facebook baiting others into arguments so you can beat them down and build yourself up. Hello. <laughs> See, if you don't ruthlessly eliminate these toxic habits from your life, you will never finish the spiritual race. Or worse, you'll experience something called a faith fade. In the movie, there's this scary moment when Ken Miles experiences something catastrophic. It's something every competitive driver fears. It's called brake fade when you're going too fast and your brakes no longer hold. He's got brake fade. In racing, brake fade, man, it's deadly. <laughs> Let me tell you something, the life of a Christian, faith fade can have the same impact spiritually. See guys, true faith in Christ, that, that, that discipline to strip off every sinful behavior that prevents your intimacy with Christ, it's like a governor for your engine. It brings the restraint and the control to live a life by the Holy Spirit. 
But but when we get going too fast or, or we get careless or cut corners, the brakes come off and it can have devastating consequences. Suddenly that, you know, harmless little habit, like what's the big deal, a little porn? It becomes this full-blown addiction that poisons our marriage or tarnishes our witness with our kids. That careless word of gossip or a reckless post on social media, all of a sudden it, boom, it like blows up a relationship and you can't put the fire out. Do you understand why Hebrews commands us? Listen to this language, so aggressive. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin, the pet sin that so easily trips us up. See, when hidden sin flourishes, our faith stalls out. But the Christian life is an endurance race. And that means you're going to have inevitable setbacks, failures, even smash-ups. Don't beat yourself up. Remember, the goal isn't perfection, it's progress. Because when you wipe out, and guys, we all will. I wipe out all the time. The question is, will you bring your sin to God for cleansing? (laughs) Will you bring your faith into the shop for repair and renewal and restoration and get back in the driver's seat? back in the race. You know, one of my favorite scenes in Ford versus Ferrari is when the driver, Ken Miles, takes his son out on the racetrack at night and he teaches him a lesson about faith, about what it means to visualize the impossible. He can't just push the car hard the whole way, right? That's right. You have to be kind to the car. You feel the poor thing groaning underneath you. If you're going to push, a piece of machinery to the limit and expect it to hold together. You have to have some sense of where that limit is. Look out there. Out there is the perfect lap. No mistakes. Every gear change, every corner. Perfect. You see it. I think so. Most people can't. Most people don't even know it's out there, but it is. It's there. Ken Miles had eyes of faith. In other words, he set his eyes on the prize in the distance, and he believed something impossible. That Ford really could beat Ferrari. And notice, it took this laser focus this fierce resolve, I am not going to shrink back in the face of overwhelming odds. Can I ask, do you have that kind of focus to your faith? That like laser-like focus, that kind of resolve, I am going to run my race with a fearless faith in Christ and stamina from the Holy Spirit? You know, the Bible actually says, guys, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is literally the fuel to your spiritual engine. But what is like true faith? Again, look what Hebrews 11 says. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's like, I can't see it, but I believe God's telling the truth, even though I don't see the results yet. It is an ability to look beyond your very human fears and your doubts and put your full trust in the unseen God. That your race isn't random. What you're going through right now, the obstacles, the challenges, that God actually hand-designed this race specifically for you. And that because he's the designer, he promises that he's going to give you the supernatural strength and stamina. Not just to succeed, guys, but to endure. 
Remember, this is a race of endurance. It's not just patience. Guys, there's a big difference between endurance and patience. Patience is basically learning how to idle your motor when you really feel like stripping your gears. That's what patience is. But endurance, man, that is when the hill of adversity rises up before you and you drop that mother in a low gear and you rumble up that hill with all the strain on your spiritual engine. No matter how much it hurts, whatever it costs, you're like, I will not quit. I will not give up. I ain't going to drop out. Because in Jesus' name, I know that he endured and he's going to give me the strength to do that too. Type amen in the chat if you believe it. Look, I'm just talking to you right now through the camera. You may be facing uncertainty in your life right now. Maybe you've got uncertainty with your job or your health. You don't know what's going to happen this fall with school or work. It's overwhelming. I get it. Maybe you're facing challenges with your finances or your business. Can I just tell you, this is no time for you to shrink back. This is the moment to drop your faith in the high gear and look at the roadmap that Hebrews lays out. Run with endurance. Put up with the agona, the agony. You can endure anything through Christ. Never give up. Assemble your crew. You got to have this great cloud of spiritual cheerleaders cheering you on and cut out the extra weight. Throw off every sin that so easily entangles and trips you up. And then finally, listen to me, you got to E. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Guys, everybody in a race is focused on one thing. That's the finish line. It's the checkered flag. If you want to finish your race well, you've got to fix your focus on Jesus Christ. Look what Hebrews says. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on who? On Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects your faith. Guys, Jesus is the champion who initiates your faith. You know what it means? That means he started it. He's the author. He's the pace car. He's the pioneer of your faith. But Hebrews says he's also the perfecter. In other words, he's at the finish line waiting for you. He's run the race, so no fear. You're in this race because of him. And he's with you through the Holy Spirit. From the start to the finish, every step in between. Guys, that's why we fix our eyes on Jesus. It's like this, this laser focus. You can't fix your eyes, guys, on any human, any man, any woman, no matter how inspiring they are or how much you look up to them. Now, even if they had a great impact on your life, here's the, here's the truth. You can glance at them, but your gaze needs to be fixed on Christ. Guys, you, I'm just going to encourage you. You can't even look to me, your pastor, or other Christian leaders as your pace car. I want to be just like them. Bro, I'm just a man <laughs> with feet of clay. And sooner or later, I'm going to let you down. I let myself down. I will disappoint you, and so will every other human being. But there's only one person you can fix your eyes on every moment of every single day as you run your race and he will never let you down. Jesus Christ, the champion, the one who started your race and the one who promised to be there at the finish line in heaven waiting for you. You know, Ken Miles and the Ford team, they made it to the finish line in France in 1966, facing outsized odds at the 24 hours of Le Mans. They fixed their eyes on the prize and ran a race that made history.
of the cars to beat, claiming the top three positions, led by doing? Ken Miles and Ford number one, who is... Don't answer that. Get away from it. Get away from it. Six. That's another record. <laughs> it's a perfect lap. drove his way into the record books that day. He broke the unbeaten streak of Ferrari victories and he won the checkered flag for Ford with his team. It was an endurance race. He actually drove through the night through wind and rain. He survived close calls, crashes, brake failures, and other obstacles. But Ken Miles endured to the end. You know, in Hebrews 12, there's one word that's repeated three times. Did you catch it? The word is endurance. It appears in every single verse. Let us run with, what's the word, church? Endurance. Type it in the chat. The race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Because of the joy awaiting him, he, what's the word? Endured the cross. And now he's seated in the winner's circle, in the place of honor beside God's throne. You know, guys, I don't know how long your race on earth is going to be. I hope it's 75, 85, 100 years old. But Jesus ran a short race. It lasted only 33 years. He came into this world as God's sinless son. He took on human flesh. In other words, he became what I am and what you are. And yet he remained who he was, divine, God in the flesh. You know what? He lived perfectly among us for 33 years, a sinless life. I mean, when you think about it, Jesus is the only one who ever ran a perfect lap in human history. Guys, he lived the life you were supposed to live and he died the death that you deserved. And now Hebrews says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. In other words, Jesus had his eyes on the Father and he said, 
Daddy, I'll go through hell and back to obey and honor you and win the hearts of your sons and daughters. And guys, that race took him to the cross in which Jesus courageously endured. I want you to think about what Jesus endured. Jesus endured the nails in his hands. Jesus endured the betrayal of his friends. What are you going through? Jesus endured his body being beaten and his back whipped wide open. Jesus endured a crown of thorns. He endured the mocking of men and women. He endured the taunts of his enemies. Crucify him. Jesus endured my sin, your sin being put on his shoulders. And in his final lap, Jesus endured the wrath of God in our place as our substitute. And at the finish line, he cried, it is finished. He, he could have called down 10,000 angels, but instead he endured out of love for you and me. Guys, there's so many reasons I love Jesus. But you know, one of the reasons I love Jesus the most is that he never asks me to do anything that he himself hasn't already done. Think about that. I'll never ask you to do something he's not already done. And that's why Hebrews says, I want you to fix your eyes on him as you run your race. He's not just the author. He completed his race and he's waiting at the finish line for you. I mean, you ever wonder where, where is Jesus right now as you run your race here on earth? Hebrews gave the answer. Did you pick it up? It says, now he's seated in the place of honor besides God's throne on the winning podium as a triumphant champion with the title, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he declared victory over Satan's sin and death itself. And so when we trust him with your whole heart, when you trust Christ with all the faith you have, he makes this promise. One day, you're gonna rule and reign with me. That's the promise. That's the goal. So don't give up. No matter how hard or painful your journey gets, never, ever, never give up. Hebrews 3 says, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. And then you won't become weary and give up. Can I ask you, are you tired? <laughs> yeah, some of you, 2020 has been exhausting, hasn't it? Maybe you're watching this today and you feel tired and weary. Maybe, maybe you're feeling the fade and you don't feel like you got a lot of gas left in the tank. Listen to me, take heart. You are not in this race alone. God has called you by name and he's called you to endure. And the Holy Spirit can give you the strength to finish well. You gotta keep your eyes on Jesus. It says, think of all the hostility he endured and then you won't become weary and give up. See guys, you're a member of Team Jesus. <laughs> and God hasn't given you the option of pulling off the track when you're tired or calling it quits when life gets hard. You've got to stay in the race like Jesus. You must run, run with endurance. Keep on keeping on, no matter how much it hurts or whatever it costs you, you just say, in Jesus' name, I will not quit, I will not drop out because Christ is faithful. I can count on him to carry me to the end because he's been to the finish line himself, amen? Listen guys, in this life, I just want, you know this, we're gonna face all kinds of setbacks. You're gonna face adversity, problems, trials, hurts and pains and struggles. Maybe you say, well, well, Tim, I haven't experienced any of that yet. That's because you're young. <laughs> Just keep living and you will. Listen to me. Sooner or later, you're going to face them. And when you do, I want you to remember this roadmap from Hebrews 12. You run with endurance. You assemble your crew. You cut the extra weight and you fix your eyes on Jesus because he alone will give you the strength and the stamina to run your race. And at the end, when you cross that finish line, you will fall into his arms and hear those sweet words of victory. 
Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I'm aware right now of men and women who are carrying heavy burdens. And God, they need right now a filling of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we know you can travel through pixels. And so right now, I'm going to ask you, if you're watching online right now, and you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, just try, fill me up in the chat. Raise your hand, say, fill me up, God. Father, I pray right now, your children, we need you, God. We are an endurance marathon here in 2020. And God, some of us are tired. Some of us are feeling that faith fade. Some of us have an empty tank. Fill us up now by the Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, for those who don't know you yet as their Savior, I ask, Lord, would you welcome them into your family? If you don't know Christ yet, simply say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. I don't want to drive my life anymore. I give the wheel to you. <laughs> I ask you to be my Savior. Forgive my sin. Fill me with your spirit. I want to endure. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, God bless you. Praise God if you raise your hand to receive salvation today or you ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, let us know how we can help you and encourage you. And I look forward to seeing you next week at the movies. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening.